0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets.
1: Welcome to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm Jody Miller Young, your host. Fantasy, sci fi, history, and nature. Those are just some of the inspirations my guest today draws from for the fantastical fashions he and his partner create under the name Pupstar Sonoma. Their goal is to bring together pugs, costumes, and photography to create, what else? Magic! And they do! Talking to us from Sonoma, California will be Philip Lauer, who, along with his wife Susan and their three pugs, Roxy, Blue, and Bono, Make up this inspiring brand. I discovered them when I opened my New York Post one morning and saw the most adorable photo of the pugs dressed up in garb inspired by the Netflix gangster show Peaky Blinders. I just had to know who created this, and lucky for me, I found them. So now I can share Pup Star Sonoma with you. Before you meet Philip, the creator, photographer, and mastermind behind the brand, we're going to take a short break from our sponsor. So don't go away, just grab that favorite beverage, get comfortable. And we'll
2: be right back. If you've ever shared your home and heart with a charmingly naughty animal who's always up to mischief, (laughs) you'll fall in love with the klepto kitty who stars in Talk to the Paw by Melinda Metz. Talk to the Paw is a funny, heartwarming novel about a single girl, a single guy, and MacGyver, an adorable tabby cat with a not-so-adorable habit of stealing from the neighbors. Talk to the Paw is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Visit KensingtonBooks.com for more info.
0: Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Jody Miller Young. You're about to meet Philip Lauer, the mastermind behind Pupstar Sonoma, who've created one of the most ambitious and magical dog costume and couture brands I've ever seen. I say costume because it's that elaborate, and I can't wait to hear more about what inspires them and how they create these incredible outfits. Welcome, Philip. Hi. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here.
1: Glad to have you. Now, Pupstar Sonoma is really a family affair. You're the marketing and visual branding and techie genius. Your wife, Susan, is the fashion design visionary, and your three pug babies are the cutest of models and actors. I heard it all started with holiday greeting cards in a contest. Fill us in.
2: Yeah, we, I mean, the holiday greeting cards were really just for friends and family, and and it was fun, you know, as a graphic artist, you kind of like to stretch your legs and not have to, to answer to a client and just answer to yourself and do something fun so mm-hmm. we had these three adorable little dogs. We thought we'll just we'll just we'll just put them in front of the camera because neither one of my wife or I we like to be on the other side of the camera, not in front of it. A little shy that way, I suppose. So yeah, that's where mm-hmm. the, the cards kind of started from and and then um the costuming and stuff. I don't know, it sort of started from fleece hoodies, you know, because they get cold, it gets foggy on the north coast and then it it, it said, Hey, you know, let's do a, a little local contest and that turned into Let's do something more. And then, um, you know, the Valentino thing popped up. And, Tell
1: uh, us about the Valentino thing. I know, but listeners don't.
2: Well, so in uh, 2009, the fashion designer Valentino, he had a, a movie came out called Valentino, The Last Emperor. And it was sort of a documentary about him and his life and a uh, uh, fabulous movie if you haven't seen it. It was a, an inspiration, but, but as a promotional tool he owns six pugs himself, or at least at the time he did, mm-hmm. and so he thought, "Well, you know what? Let's have a photo contest for the most fashionable pug, right?" And so he held this, and it's worldwide. And so hundreds of entries, you know, photos from around the world, and lo and behold, we win third place. Wow! And it was, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean that was that was. I mean, and he he picked the winner too. So that was really really an honor. Very um,
0: impressive.
2: At that point, we kind of knew that we had something. We had something going, mm-hmm. and sort of developed our own signature style and Sue's craft and and ability to design and mine in photography and everything else. Uh, I mean, I've been working in graphic design and and branding and strategy for many many years. And mm-hmm. thought, well, let's just do this, you know. And so it's been a hobby since then, and um, now we have a calendar. With, uh, we're
1: gonna talk, yes, we're gonna talk about all of that. That's how Pupstar Sonoma was born through Valentino. It was,
2: was. (laughs) it's it's all his fault,
1: it's all his fault. And you know what, being, being, um, and I'm gonna talk to you about this later too, but it's all your fault that we started binge watching Piggy Blinders because (laughs) that's how you know, I'll I'll
2: take it for that because that's a fantastic series. Um, you fantastic.
1: Know. Love it. If yeah. you haven't watched it, check it out on Netflix. It is a wonderful, wonderful series. Really riveting. But let's go back to you guys, okay? Now, Pupstar Sonoma, there wouldn't be a Pupstar Star Sonoma without Roxy, Bono, and Blue, your three adorable pugs. Nope. Nope. And of course, like all our babies, they each have distinctive personalities. Tell us about them.
2: Well, we got Roxy first. We only really intended on getting one dog. And we went to see Roxy when she was a baby, and uh, with actually, we, we went to see the litter of puppies. And we found this couple that uh, showed pugs and were very successful, and they had a really good breeding program and bred very healthy dogs and genetically tested them so that they weren't carrying anything congenital or... A uh, good breeder. I mean, the, the, the epitome breeder. of a of a yeah. responsible breeder. Yeah. Uh, we, we were really adamant about that. Um, we didn't good. want a backyard bred dog that would end up in a shelter or a rescue. That's just not fair to the animal. Anyway, uh, aside from that, so we went to to see the litter of puppies, and of course, you know, if you're around a bunch of puppies, it's just they all melt your heart. But yeah. Roxy kind of adopted both of us, and she didn't want to leave us not for a second. And so we thought, well, okay, we'll take her home, and we did. But during that day, her brother, Blue, also was stuck to us like Blue. And so we kept in touch with the breeders. Uh, How's Blue doing? You know, and then he had a couple of misfires, you know, so people wanted to adopt him and then backed out, and it happened twice. Mm-hmm. And after the second time, we're like, you know what, we'll come get him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> See, the <laughs> so universe had other plans.
2: <laughs> so we ended up with two dogs, and it was good because from what they tell us, from the very, very start, Roxy and Blue were like two peas in a pod. Mm-hmm. And to separate them probably would have been a bad idea anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
2: once they got back together, it was just, it was just magic, you know. So oh. then we had two dogs. and I'm like, oh, boy. Roxy and, and then we got Bono a year later. Same breeder, same mom, different dad. He was going to be a little showboy, but that didn't really work out because, you know, I'm busy. I and mean, we're busy. We don't really have time to do that. But Roxy is the little alpha. She kind of rules her brothers with a velvet paw. She's, she, <laughs> you, you know, she's never mean. She's never crossed. They've never once ever fought about anything, which is really cool. They play constantly. But she's definitely in charge, you can tell. Uh, Always Blue the is, girls. Blue is a Philip. Always a goofball.
0: The girls.
2: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Blue is a goofball. I mean, he's just the clown. He loves to entertain us and do silly things and make us laugh. And he's a joy to be around. And he does the same thing to his brother and sister, I am a firm believer that, that dogs have a sense of humor just like we do, mm-hmm. and he's always playing tricks on them. And it's just hilarious to watch. <laughs> Bono is a little bit serious compared to the other two, but he, he can be pretty silly too, and he is the baby. They adopted him. We got him a year later, and they adopted him, and even though he's nine and a half years old, they still treat him like he's a little puppy. <laughs> he still thinks he's a little puppy. You know, oh. he'll curl up in the same bed with them, right on top of him as if he was a tiny little thing, and he, oh. <laughs> and he's not. So it's, they're just uh they're all three of them are so fun to bring around, and they each one of them bring a different kind of attitude to the characters that they play, basically, because that's the way we look at it. You know, it's when we uh, watch a series or a, a movie or something. You know, it's funny. It, it just kind of you can see Bono really should be this character. Or Roxy really needs to play this game. I mean it just it just, so it just worked out that way.
1: That is so funny. So they truly are like actors. And you um, can Yeah, see, absolutely. Yeah. You'll be able to see pictures of Roxy Bono and Blue on the Pet Life Radio site on the Bark and Swagger page. So you can see these adorable babies. You know, Philip, you and Susan compliment each other so, so well. You bring completely different, but such synergistic things to the table. You told us already a bit about your background and would have loved to have Susan on today too, but you are the spokesperson. Susan's a little bit shy and I totally get she's, that. Um, she's a little bit shy. She's a little bit shy. So creative, but tell everybody her background because the people who listen to this show love fashion, love dogs
2: her background, I think it's in her blood. She's been sewing and fixing and creating and working with all manner of textile since she was a little girl. She would work for her Auntie Hachan in, in Honolulu. She grew up in Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And her Auntie Hachan had a, a little alteration business and so her and her sisters would go and and Auntie would task them to do things and so she learned how to do A lot of things in sewing that is a lot more than just making a dress, you know, how to cover a button and, you know, how to do a certain kind of a stitch or a hem Mm -hmm. you know, things that are more in the professional vein. And she was doing this as a kid. So, and she loved doing it. So then when it came time for her to go to college, she was going to be a nurse. And I think that lasted about six months. And she said, you know, I can't do that. I've got to do what is in my heart. And it just so happened they had a fashion technology and design program at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. And so she took that and she graduated with honors and uh, won all kinds of design awards. And then wow. quickly was snapped up by a, a local fashion designer, worked for her for years. In fact, I met her because I knew uh, her boss. So then we decided to move to California, and uh, kind of the rest is history.
1: Oh, um, fantastic. She's so gifted. Wait till you see these costumes and couture, everyone. Oh, I have, you know, everyone. I have to say, you, see. you know, yeah.
2: despite what I do, there would be no Pop star Sonoma without her, because it's really all about photographing the things that she creates. It's really magic when the five of us get together on a photo shoot or a video production. It's just, uh, it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And
1: the pups seem to love it, you know, from everything that I've read and what you've told me. You know, we all love to take pictures of our dogs. Some of the dogs, like my Sophie, will turn her head the other way, you know, when she sees me take out the camera. But these babies, they love it, right?
2: It's almost competitive, although they enjoy (laughs) their own space as far as characters go. Mm -hmm. But they seem to know when Sue is making something new. And if, if she's making something for Roxy, the other two are like, hey, where's mine? You know, how come I'm not modeling, you know? And when I go to downstairs, I go to the garage door. Our garage is set up as a photo studio. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there's no cars in our garage. It's all (laughs) lighting equipment and and backdrops and props. But when I go to the back door to go into the garage, all three of them are at my heels because they think that it's time to go to work, you know, and it's really kind of funny
1: to watch. So cute. Now, I mentioned earlier that you and Susan are inspired by fantasy, sci-fi, History, historical films and TV shows, nature. What is it about these categories that gets your creative juices flowing?
2: You know, honestly, it's what we find interesting. It's the kind of things that we like. I guess it's our character or personality. You know, um, I've always been a sort of a fan of fantasy and sci-fi. I think Sue was sort of new to it when she met me. But she definitely loves the richness and the detail in the costuming. I mean, for what she does in her fashion background... She always leaned a little bit towards the costuming thing anyway. The fat first fashion designer she worked for, her name was Ann Namba. And what they would do is they would buy these huge bales of kimonos from Japan and wow. just very carefully take them apart and use the material. And I don't know if you know anything about handmade kimonos from Japan. The material I do. is like stunning. It's just, it is. It's stunning. It's beautiful. There's nothing like it. And they would take the material and then make modern fashion out of it. And so she took that attention to detail. You have to be so careful about what you're doing because some of these kimonos are antique, you know. Mm-hmm. And she took that and she now she applies that to when she makes a crown or she makes a you know, a costume from Game of Thrones. Every detail has got to be just right or she'll do it again. Yeah. Um, and and, yeah. and just, Perfectionist. it just completely blows me away when I see what she does.
1: Yeah. Those kimono fabrics, when I was in Tokyo, I was in a vintage kimono shop and it is really is mind blowing. They are just so, so stunning. And the feeling of them too. I mean, the colors and the patterns and the feeling, they're just over the top. Talking about Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones fans, and there are a lot of you out there, will be thrilled to find the spot-on costumes of a variety of characters from the show that Sue makes for the Pugs. Now, early on, you and Susan created a video called The Pugs of Westeros, right? It went viral, yes, we, attracted the attention sure, of press like did. Good Morning America, right? BuzzFeed, Mashable, you know, the big guys. That's pretty impressive.
2: Yeah, that was kind of a surprise and a nice one at that. That came to pass because we were working with a media company out of uh, London, Barcroft Media. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And um, they were sort of promoting our photography and and for e-content for people they own. They also own uh, The Guardian and some other media outlets. Mm -hmm. And so they were promoting our photography. They liked what we did. They thought it was exciting. It was different. And so the producer that we were working with, he said, you know, you guys really need to do a video because video is the next big thing. You know, print is is going to go away, you need to do motion graphics. And we're like, whoa, okay. You know, we had never done anything other than just the, you know, the family kind of fun stuff that everybody does. And so being in the industry that I'm in, I work with people like that every day, right? And so I approached one of my friends who years earlier, when the dogs were just puppies, um, he fell in love with them too. He's like, you know, if you guys ever want to shoot a video, come talk to me. And I totally forgotten about that. And so producer from Barcroft says you guys got to do video I'm thinking Josh right away and so I called Josh and I said hey Josh how'd you like to do a video with no budget <laughs> but yeah. here's my idea and he was so on board with that and he got together a bunch of his friends these are all you know industry professionals um,
0: wow you know they,
2: they're shooting videos for corporate America basically but nonetheless they're all really really talented people and so uh we had a collection of six people, six or seven people on that, that particular production, had no money, but we, did ha- we didn't We did have any deadlines because this wasn't being shot for anybody in particular. It was just being shot for the love of it, right. which I think is one of the reasons why it kind of came out the way it did. And then once it was done and I showed it to Barcroft, boom, they immediately sold it to or pitched it to uh a company called Blinkbox. I think they're they have since dissolved, but they had the distribution rights for um, for Game of Thrones and HBO content in the UK and and I think in in Europe. Uh, and they said we want to use this for a promo for season four, and so that's amazing. that's how it went viral.
1: Oh my God, that is amazing, amazing! Wow, very very impressive. Talk to me a little bit about. What goes into creating these costumes, the characters you choose to design around? Why? That well, sort of thing.
2: I mean, I mean, there's no one reason for any of that. However, I mean, that said, like earlier we were discussing when we watch a movie or a series or such. And I'm not even sure what the mechanism is for this, but we both will say, you know, this character is perfectly suited for, for blue. You know, like yes. Ned Stark. So what like would Ned work Stark. For them. Yeah, Yeah. Ned Stark couldn't be anybody but Blue. I mean It has to be that. And Jon Snow has to be Bono, right? <laughs> and, of course, Daenerys Targaryen, that's got to be Roxy, right? <laughs> and the same thing is true for uh, Lord of the Rings and then and everything else we do. But then once we, we find the character that fits the dog, it's like, well, which costume do we want? Because they have dress and all kinds. Of, they have lots of different costume changes throughout mm-hmm. the series and the, and the years. And so... Sue likes to pick out the really challenging ones, or at least the signature ones that everybody sees all the time. So the very first Daenerys one she did, for instance, was that beautiful blue dress with that gold neck piece, you know.
0: Oh, Um, yeah. That
2: thing took over a week to do, and all those little pieces were hand-cut out of it. I mean, it it took her forever to do that. You know, and the choice of materials is really important. So when we're doing armor or... You know costumes that have that kind of stuff. We we kind of look to where can we find out. How, if this is all new to us. We've never done any of this, this. What we have now, know I mean, we're fairly experienced at it. But but in the beginning, it's like, geez, how do you build this stuff? You know, mm-hmm. you know. So we we look to cosplay. You know, what kind of materials do they use to make their stuff? And and um, you know, not that we're into cosplay necessarily, but honestly, we're now into cosplay because we're doing dog pet cosplay. Uh, if you think about what it, what
1: cosplay is.
2: Cosplay is a movement where people just get completely, well, I guess that would be us too, they get completely obsessed with characters from Japanese anime or, you know, so it's a really elaborate over-the-top armor and costuming and, and they dress up as those people and they have big conventions and things like that. And, and uh, it's basically reproducing the costume from a movie or and then, of course, becoming that character. So Um,
1: you go to, like, chat boards or to Facebook, you know, groups where you share information and learn how, what they use for various things. Uh, YouTube has been
2: a huge, yeah, YouTube has been a huge help because a lot of these folks freely share what they know. And even to the point of of creating tutorials, uh, video tutorials, which is really helpful. And then, you know, how to source, where to get the materials, and then how to use them and things like that. That's been a huge help for specialized stuff. But, I mean, when it comes to Peaky Blinders, that's all couture. I mean, seriously. Yeah, I was just going to ask you, like, what went into that? That's all fabric. Yeah. Yeah, that's all fabric. Yeah. So that just plays right into Sue's main strengths, which is, you know, building clothing. So, again, it speaks to her attention to detail. Of course, we like to binge watch Tiki blinders, like a lot of people do, but <laughs> yeah. then we'll watch it again and then we'll watch it again and we'll freeze frame it and go, wait, you know, that, that hem is a little different there. The pocket is a little different. The watch chain falls just so, you know, that the razor blade is sewn in just the way that, you know, the hat is like has to fall this way. So I'm looking at, at the mood, the lighting, the, the look and the feel of, of their environment and Sue was looking at the costuming and how the fabric drapes across the, the character and, and then we have to figure, okay, well that scale on a human it's gonna be different on a dog, so that also influences how we pick things. And anyway, so Yeah, it's, it's, no, it's, I, it's, and it's I, it's I'm pretty actually, involved.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting because like I said, you guys are so synergistic but so different in terms of the way you look at things, but both so necessary to the big picture. Just to fill people in who might not be aware of Peaky Blinders, it's in a world of 1920s English, Birmingham, specifically, gangsters. And what Peaky Blinders means, because I didn't know this when I first discovered the show, (laughs) are they wear these sort of English news caps, which are called peakies. But they hide in the fold of their caps razor blades. And part of their gangster behavior when they don't like somebody very much is they take their hat off and they throw it like a frisbee and the razor blades slash the eyes out of their opponent. Therefore, hence, Peaky Blinders. Blinders. But the fact that you're looking at how all these intricate aspects of of the costuming works right down to where the razor blades would fit. It's just fun. It's so exciting and very cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fun to do. And if I had a favorite, I think right now anyway, it, it's Peaky Blinders because those little suits, <laughs> <laughs> they're just it's so, so cute. damn cute on the dog. They and are. And it's like they like, become these little characters in and. And the other thing, too, is that some of the costumes we make for, like, Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings and Mm -hmm. Hellboy, they're great for photography, but, boy, they're not very mobile. It's hard for them to get around, you know, because the the costumes are bulky and big and, you know, and whatever. But these, the suits from Peaky Blinders, they're totally mobile. They can do anything, you know, because it's really, it's just a shirt and a jacket and a vest and a hat.
1: Super cute! You can see pictures of this on the Bark and Swagger page of the Pet Life Radio site, and I absolutely encourage you to check out these pictures while you're listening. They've all been shot by Philip; they're wonderful, and you'll get a real feel for what we're talking about, and it will absolutely make you smile. So, you've talked about how you reference anarchists, hobbits, you know, Game of Thrones, and even the Royals. In some of the costumes that Susan creates, are there some that are more the couture that can actually be worn out and about as opposed to costumes really created for being photographed in or videoed in?
2: Really, none of the stuff that we do is out and about. It's not not like (laughs) ready-to-wear, if if that's what you mean. You know, the only thing that would be ready-to-wear would be some of the earlier things we did, like, like, for instance, the Valentino parkas. Those are practical. We put those on them when they're in the snow or when they're, you know, if we're planning on being somewhere where it's really cold, because those were built and, I mean, they were designed as parkas. So, yeah, but yeah, even some ready. of the Gilligan's
1: Islands anymore. some of the Gilligan's Island stuff looks like yeah. Yeah, I mean,
2: and and that's that's, um, that's that's strictly speaking, that's a full costume. But honestly, you're right. That's just a shirt and some pants and they're totally mobile awesome. in those. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
2: You know, not that we run our dogs around in costume you know, most of the time they're just regular dogs. They run around naked just like every other dog. Yeah. But, yeah, in the very, very, very beginning, before we were doing any of this stuff, I mentioned in the beginning that Sue made some fleece hoodies for them. They still wear those on cold mornings. So they're kind of used to wearing things. And I know a lot of dogs aren't, but I think that the reason ours are so amiable to wearing anything, I mean, they're used to now with with all the photography we've done, what was the start was those fleece hoodies. You know, we put them on when it was cold outside. It kept them warm. And they got used to having something on them. Exactly. Uh, And then when it became time to get in front of the camera, that and, you know, some cookies and some chicken, you know, most dogs, and especially pugs, they're very motivated by tasty little morsels. (laughs) So, yeah. so I think most
1: dogs are. I do. So,
2: it's fun for them. We make it fun for them. If they're having a bad day, we can tell, and we don't make them do anything they don't want to do. Ever. Yeah. Never well, have. Never will. That's
1: really nice. That's really nice to hear. I want you to hold that thought, Philip. We're going to take a short break from our sponsor. But when we come <clears throat> back, we're going to talk about actress, TV star, and musician Zoe Deschanel and what she has to do with Pup Star Sonoma. So go refresh that favorite beverage, get cozy, and we'll be right back.
0: Sit. Stay. We'll be right back. Right after we kibble a little with our sponsors.
1: Hey, cat people, litter box smells always on your mind. Think about your cat, not the box, with World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that delivers big odor control in a tiny package. World's Best Cat Litter harnesses the concentrated power of corn to trap odors deep inside the litter. Ready to knock out smells and use less litter? Find World's Best Cat Litter at Target, Walmart, and in your local
2: grocery and pet stores. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help.
0: Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite is nutrition.
2: Pick up two bottles of Lico Chops, Get the third bottle free.
0: New improved Licochops with omega-3, omega-6, vitamin E.
2: And now, six extra direct-fed microbials.
0: Even better for the digestive tract and immune system. Try
2: Licochops.
0: Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Oh. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Bark and Swagger on Pet Life Radio. And if you've just tuned in, I'm Jody Miller Young, your host, and we're talking to Philip Lauer of Pupstar Sonoma three adorable pugs, one extraordinarily talented fashion designer, and one brilliant mastermind photographer, videographer, marketing genius that has created a very, very cool brand. Now, I mentioned when we came back, we were going to talk about Zoe Deschanel, the actress, TV star, and musician. She is a huge fan of yours, Philip, and actually reached out to you guys to create a video for her band, She and Him. Tell us about that. What was the video for, for the band? And there's some wacky story behind this too, right?
2: Well, uh, I'm not sure about the wacky part, but I'll tell you what was sure uh, a shock to get a call from Sony Entertainment and Columbia Records and and Video with the proposition of of making a video for Zoe. And then then to find out, she's been actually a fan of ours for years. Does she have a pub? No. We didn't have, no she doesn't she should <laughs> no, she doesn't have a pug. She does have dogs, I understand but uh, so she wanted something special for the release of their Christmas album last year and so through her record label reached out to us and said, what can you do in like I think we had three weeks, Four, we stretched it to four weeks because we were just running out of time and it was really insane too because here we're trying to shoot a video for Winter Wonderland in the midst of the worst drought in history in California with not even a flake of snow anywhere on the horizon you know not even at the, the highest elevations in the Sierra and, and we're thinking how are we going to do a Winter Wonderland video you know right. uh, in October? And it just, as luck would have it, there was a small storm that was blowing down through Oregon. They usually blow in from the south. You know, the, we call it the Pineapple Express, and it comes off the ocean. But this one was cold and it had a little moisture in it. And I was following it like crazy because we were dreading having to fake this stuff. You know, it just with I none of us like to fake anything, especially snow. It would be terrible. <laughs> so, uh, long story short, yes, the snow came. It was going to snow late in the evening and through the morning, and so we left our place. We live on the coast in the North Bay area of California. We left our house uh, about three o'clock in the morning to get to 8,500 feet elevation in Carson Pass in the Sierra Nevadas just after sunrise, and we're blessed with about six inches of fresh snow. Of course, as the sun came up, it was literally melting under our feet, and we (laughs) shot until we couldn't shoot anymore, and Prayed that we had enough uh, enough footage to fill in the blanks. And, and it all worked out pretty well, actually. But that was the only snow. We got that, I think, until later in December. So That's we, the uh, wacky
1: part you know, I'm talking about, Philip. It was,
2: Philip. <laughs> it was the, the wildest stroke of luck. It huh. did all work out. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, we'd love the richness of the idea of doing something sort of Victorian or Edwardian or... That just adds a a certain warmth and coziness to Christmas, and so it just so happens that some good friends of ours have this beautiful historical Victorian home in Alameda, and coincidentally, they have Bono's little brother, Diego, who you'll see made a cameo, and so we ran through a bunch of different vignettes through editing, cut in between the snow and their home, and put together the Winter Wonderland video, and it came out really, really quite nice.
1: It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And hopefully we'll have that up on the uh, Bark and Swagger page, too, for you to see. And really what, what Philip is talking about, that part of it focuses on, is that beautiful hearth in their home, right? It ends with the hearth.
2: Uh, actually, okay, that, this, is, this is sort of a fascinating story. Um, we had been shooting all day, and not only were the dogs tired, but we were dog tired. And so the hearth in their Victorian home was, was not a real fireplace. It was a stove, and it wasn't functioning. And we thought, well, we'll try to shoot something in front of that. And I really wasn't in favor of it because I just didn't see how that was going to translate. And so I thought, well, we'll just skip it. We'll just end it, you know, with them coming down the stairs in their pajamas. And our videographer and director, Josh Hettleman, his work, by the way, is extraordinary. He said, well, look, I live a half a mile from here, and we have a real fireplace, So let's go to my house. We'll set up some lights real quick, and we'll just get this shot. It'll be the last shot, and it'll be so worth it. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. He goes, no, really, we have to do it. We have to do the shot. So okay, fine. We pile everybody in the car, go to his house. We set it up. He's got this nice rug, and we put presents all around, you know, and lights and get the fire going. And as soon as they hit that rug, I mean, we had everything set up, like, they knew what to do or something. It was, uh, I tell you, it brought a tear in my eye.
0: Aww. They just
2: laid down and went to sleep. And if you listen to the music, that last piece where they're going, it's just. Yeah, it and, and that was. Like, and that was like one take. I mean, of course, yeah. we did several takes, but the very first take was the one that we used. It just, you know, was sort of a pan, I think, from from left to right. Everybody in the room was just, we were all near tears, because A, we're really tired, and B, it was beautiful. And oh, it, and that is so sweet, Philip. 2000s. We, were very, we sweet. were very, very excited about that.
1: Now, you guys create all your own props, and you'll see if you look at these photos, everyone, and the videos, I'm talking about intricate props. How long did it take you to create the Game of Thrones Iron Throne, for example?
2: Wow. Well, there were sourcing materials, which which probably took nearly a week. And then there was the actual construction of the thing, which took over two weeks. So all in all, that throne probably took a month to make. And then we added some things to it too. I mean, if you're familiar with the term Easter egg, in the film industry, people like to throw things into their film that most people wouldn't see, they wouldn't recognize, but it makes reference to something else. And hence the term Easter egg, because it's Mm -hmm. kind of a little nugget when when you do see it, it's like, oh yeah, there it is. So Mm -hmm. in the throne... There's an homage to uh, Star Trek, because there's a, a Batleth from the Klingon Empire.
0: <laughs> wow. There's
2: Thor's hammer, which none of these things belong in the Game of Thrones throne, right? The Iron Throne.
0: Uh-huh. There's
2: two swords from uh, The Hobbit and, uh, and Lord of the Rings. There's uh, Glamdring, which is uh, Gandalf's sword, and, and Sting, which is Bilbo's and then Frodo's sword and they're in that. if you look closely you can you can find them that we is like really we to really do little funny. things like that with all of our projects they'll be and I'm not going to tell you any more than that but we like to throw in easter eggs here and there just just little homages to other things that we like just cuz we're eccentric that way i guess i don't know <laughs>
1: do the fans like is this something that they talk about like no say, i you know oh, honestly
2: this is, you first, this is the first is the first time yeah. i've ever talked about it and I, I i'm not sure that anybody even ever knew
1: wow so
2: So there you go, you've got an exclusive. (laughs) Love it.
1: (laughs) Now, you mentioned earlier, but let's talk about it a little more. You released your first family calendar this year, 2018, featuring looks from Game of Thrones to Gilligan's Island and everything you do in between. Tell us a little bit about it. Is there a favorite look you chose? Give everyone an idea of what they'll find if they purchase one.
2: Well, Brown Trout Publishing and Lyman Publishing, same company, but... Brown Trout called us, Robert, uh, gee, that's terrible, I forget Robert's last name, but he's basically the CEO, he called us and said, look, we've got one of our art directors that's completely bananas about your stuff and we have to do a calendar, and Brown Trout is probably one of the premier or preeminent calendar producers in the world. They probably distribute more calendars than any other publisher. And I knew the name already. So when they called, I was like, oh, this is good. Anyway, so it turned out that one of his creative directors had a friend that was that was a big fan of ours. And she found us about us through there and, and pitched it to Robert. And he said, yes, we got to do it. And so that's how we ended up with that relationship. That said... You know, the first thing out of their mouth was, "We have to have a little bit of everything because what you're doing is just a total fantasy world." And so that's really why you see the eclectic mix of things. It's it's a little bit of everything that we do. And next mm-hmm. year will be the same, except that you'll see things in there that a no one's ever seen because they're brand new.
1: That's exciting. Uh, Can but you it'll give be us the same hints?
2: kind of a mix, and, and that's why they title it Fantasy Pugs, is because it's pugs dressing up in different fantastic situations and as characters. And Can you give us a it's, hint it's, of
1: something that's you know, no one's ever seen?
2: Sure. Uh, let's see. Well, I don't know if it's up on our website yet. Hang on. I'm going to have to double check this just so I don't divulge things I'm not supposed to. I'll get in trouble, you know. <laughs> so what we haven't put out yet is a series we're doing called The Pugs of Asgard, And it's, you know, the Marvel comics, the Avengers. And so we're going to start doing some characters from from that. And featured in the 2019 calendar will be three of the characters from Asgard, Thor, of course, his brother Loki, and then Thor's love interest, Sif. And those costumes are probably some of the most detailed and complex that Sue has really ever attempted It's not like the Couture from Peaky Blinders, where that's just really beautiful clothing. No, this is really costuming and armor. And it's a little bit different, and the look is different. It's very fantastic, I mean, as far as fantasy goes. And so that's something I'm looking forward to seeing how people react to, and that'll be new.
1: We're looking forward to seeing it,
2: too. there's There's actually a whole lot of other things, too, but you'll have to wait for that.
1: Oh, my God. Seriously?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: seriously. <laughs> oh, okay. No, um, oh, so- it
2: won't be that bad.
1: <laughs> okay. So the calendar for next year is a huge project, and I know you're working on that already. And yeah. is there anything else on the horizon for Pup Star Sonoma that we should know about?
2: Well, no. I mean, we're um, we're just busy doing what we do, and... Uh, And we did just finish the 2019 calendar, so that's done, and it's with the publisher. And that should be out in either late June or early July. The 2018 calendar, of course, is still available, but, you know, the season for buying calendars is pretty much behind us, at least for 2018. Although, you know, have- this
1: could be like a collector's item. So it's well, so different possibly, yeah. and really, yeah, really adorable that people well, may just well, want to you, get it. It's only, it now it's only because January. Reducing the price. Okay, that's good. Well, that brings us to the next question, which is where can people find you?
2: Well, you can find us on our website, com. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Is it you know, all? The usual the usual social media outlets. Uh, You know, the the serious portfolio work is is in our, our website, and Facebook, and especially Instagram, is more the personal side of us, and we do put up photographs from the professional side of things, but we also put in the stuff that's like, you know, these are just regular dogs, they're part of our family, and, you know, we Post up pictures of you know, Sue's been inundated with requests for the little peaky blinder hats, so she's been making those like crazy. Although yeah, really I was not. gonna
1: I was gonna tell people that on your site there's this store called Bono's Hat Shop.
2: I was kind of done as a joke, it's like Bono's hat shop. Oh, that would be fun. And then people it's took fun, it seriously you, and then she's and buy. she started making hats.
1: Yeah, people so, can buy these hats. So if you love yep, what can. you see, you can go on there and you can get one for your own baby.
2: Yeah, and like I said, we really hadn't taken that seriously and we don't necessarily have a desire to be manufacturers, but she does limited amounts of these hats. Mm-hmm. I don't have it set up for e-commerce, so if you if you want one, just send us an email
1: <laughs> um, and
2: let us know. Um, Very organic. And,
1: uh, I love it. Yeah. And in terms of just being clear with everybody about finding you on social media, they're all at Pupstar Sonoma? Yep. Perfect.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you Google search Pupstar Sonoma facebook pupstar sonoma instagram i mean you're going to run into us so it's pretty hard to avoid plus if you go first off to our website there's a link to all of those things in our website
1: perfect well philip thank you so much for spending time with us today turning us on to pupstar sonoma it is a very cool brand and i encourage everybody to check it out and we're going to look yeah we're going to look forward to see what you guys create next
2: Well, we look forward to doing it. It's just so much fun. I don't think we can stop.
1: Awesome. Don't stop. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And thank you all for listening. Uh, Thanks to our producer, Mark Winter, who makes us sound so good. Thank you, Mark, for that. Uh, My passion is living stylishly and animal rescue. So tune in next time to discover the designers, home decor, styles, and rescue stories I love. And don't forget to visit me at BarkAndSwagger.com where you'll find great fashion, shelter stories, and more. So until next time, when fierce fashion calls, Bark and Swagger.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.